To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's going on, guys? Well, I'm back. And I got a brand new podcast from the trip. So I was out in Hawaii with some really good friends of mine. Um, we've been hunting together now for a handful of years. And we just, uh, it, it's really fun to embark on adventures with these guys. So um, they're my buddies from Hawaii. The, the Sean Curran, uh, I've got Robin Keane on, and Janus Padilla. Um, just great guys, but also great hunters. Like Hawaii gets you so much experience, spot and stalking game and still hunting and executing shots. So these guys are all just great hunters that I learn from every time I get together with. And, and this trip was just an awesome trip. We really focused on mouflon sheep. There was a couple others in the group, but just a, a great group of, of really good hunters and, and just really fun. We all hunted really hard and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, we were able, able to kill some rams, but we just kind of replay the hunt, but it's so fresh in all of our minds that, that it, you know, there's a lot of insight into stalking and making the right moves and, and locating game animals and, and mistakes we made. And um, it's just a really cool podcast. And, you know, it's really rare that us guys get a chance to hunt sheep. I say us guys like us uh, blue collar working class guys get to hunt sheep just because the tags are so tough to draw. And then, you know, we can't afford thousands of dollars to go on these hunts. And, and this was a hunt that that I could afford and and go hunt this extreme terrain of Hawaii for these mouflon sheep, which is just this beautiful species of sheep that comes from uh, some islands off the Mediterranean. You know, ten thousand years ago they evolved or whatever. But just a, a really cool sheep to hunt and a really cool experience and great guys. So this is a super podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it. These guys are always fun to get together with and uh, fun to put a mic in front of them. Uh, they've got uh, such great chemistry between them, you know, so uh, it, it's just laughs throughout the podcast. Great stories. Um, I really enjoyed it. I know you guys will enjoy it, too. Sponsor for today's show is Zamberlin Boots. Um, I use my Zamberlin boots over there in Hawaii in some of the roughest, rugged, most rugged country you could imagine. That lava rock is just everywhere over there, and those those canyons are super steep. So um, I'm using a couple new pairs this year. I'm using their 320 Trail Light Evo GTX. I really think this is like the best low-height boot uh, ever made. Like it's super lightweight, and it's a single-piece leather. Um, it, it It's you know, Gore-Tex waterproof. Um, it, it's just a great fit to it. I put a bunch of miles and I hardly even knew they were on my feet. Gives you a little bit more ankle support for the mountain. So just an absolute great boot that I'm going to use this entire season. So if you're in the market for new boots, make sure to check those out. They also have a bunch of other pairs. That's just the one that fits me the best. Um, I also got a pair of their tennis shoes, which are just awesome. They're a, a 103 Hike Light RR and um, you guys know me in tennis shoes, like I've got really strong ankles and I love to wear shoes on different hunts. 
um, maybe where the terrain isn't quite as extreme or I don't have as much side healing, but they make like a heavier duty shoe. It's got a Vibram sole. It's waterproof. Um, it, it's just a, a great, well-built shoe. I'm going to be using that this season as well. So if you're in the market for for either a, a low height boot or a tennis shoe, make sure to check them out. Try them on. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna last and uh, they're they're gonna really perform to the to the highest quality you know they the their leather that they use is such high quality so they're using the finest materials the finest craftsmanship they're just a really well-built boot make sure to check them out at Zamberlin uh, our other sponsor for the show is uh, evolution outdoors so we've got a broadhead sponsor um, so we trust in these broadheads I've got a bunch of these coming and I've looked at them and I've I've watched all the videos, so it's the same guy that designed the Grave Diggers, which I've been using for a handful of years, and he came out with this Evolution Outdoors and these broadheads. Um, I'm really impressed. So they've got an expandable and a fixed blade. They build them in, in 100 grain, 125 grain, and 150 grain, which I think is is great that you can add some extra weight up front and get that... Uh, that front of center where you want it. So not many companies offer 150 grainers. So uh, I'm going to be trying these out. I'm going to be using the fixed blades in Idaho and uh, the expandables for everything else. Uh, They look super aerodynamic. Um, There's no more tension screw or any of that. It's all set on there. So uh, if you're in the market for some new broadheads, make sure to check them out. I'm going to be field testing these as soon as I get them and then uh, using them on these hunts. So I'll let you guys know how they do. Uh, Thanks to Evolution Outdoors for uh, partnering with the podcast. And with that, um, man, oh man, yeah, just getting back from a really good hunt. um, That is fun. It's when I feel most alive, you know, when I... When I go and do one of these adventures and and push myself hard and um, the the humidity and the heat and the rough country and the tough quarry like trying to kill a a mouflon like a ram three quarter curl or full curl it was just a, such a fun experience and and I just come back rejuvenated for life like just rejuvenated for work and um, man I mean and and it makes me this the time away like. Um, distance makes the heart fonder. Like you also, you know, you, you get your life in perspective. And I know I talk about being a better husband, better father, but I really think about it on these hunts and come back and try to put it in action. Like you get to decide the man you are every day you wake up. And so there's these small decisions through the days just where you can make a, uh, an effort, you know, to, you know, put down the screens, be more a bigger part of your kid's life, interact with your your wife back and forth, you know, help her out with chores around, make sure you're getting your your stuff done, being efficient and effective at work. And so just all these things, um, they, they just come to the forefront of my mind after these hunts. So um, I just really feel alive. I had such a great time with these guys hunting, hunting out there and, and um, I just can't wait for the rest of fall. And so I'm just back trying to get some work done and um, came back and instantly started running and running in the 90 degree heat out here in Montana is nothing compared to Lanai. Let me tell you that heat and humidity out there. You just Montana our dry heat just can't touch it. Um, 
but I've been getting some really good training runs in. Uh, my dog's all healed up. Uh, about brought me to tears. I thought I was going to lose my dog. He had that really bad infection and had to have surgery on it and couldn't run. And so he healed up while I was hunting in Hawaii and came back. And, um, you know, my family, my girls had taken good care of him, got him all healed and ready to run. And so he was excited to see me. And so we've ran um, like the last four days here and done some good climbs. And, man, he didn't lose a step. He's still um, he's, he's still in way better shape than I am, which is good. That's what you want in a running partner, right? Uh, but I'm getting really excited. Antelope season's going to open here, but uh, let's let's get into this, you guys. So this is a great podcast between you know three of my really good friends and and uh, me, your host Brian Barney. Um, Eastman's elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here in Hawaii. We just fin- finished up a, an epic hunt. Um, gosh, we were chasing sheep. Uh, what a cool experience. You guys try to do that once a year. I've got my buddies here from Hawaii. So I've got Sean, I've got Robin, and I've got Janus. So I've got the whole crew for a podcast. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time, you guys. Anytime, Brian. Man, what a trip. I'm still reeling from this thing. Man, did we go hard. A uh, week straight, you guys try to plan a trip every year to go out and go hunt these mouflon sheep. What a cool species of sheep. Yeah, they are uh, as hard to hunt as any species probably in Hawaii uh, that I've come across. See, they're like this small little sheep. They've got the coolest horns that flare out and come back in. So mouflon is originally from, um, we talked about this last time, right? Corsica or something, I think you were telling me? I think so, somewhere off of Spain or in Mediterranean. Yep. And they're, um, so they were introduced to Hawaii, probably 1800s. And now um, they've just adapted to that environment. And those sheep, they just live in all those nasty ravines and draws and rocky country. Like, it's a true sheep hunt. Yeah, it's the only sheep hunt I think I could afford. <laughs> right? It's the only one in my tax bracket, too. But how cool. You guys invited me out, told me it was going to be hot, and it was. And then we had such a good group of guys, and we all just sent it on that hunt. God, you, all you guys hunted so hard throughout there. It's so impressive to see. Rob, I think you did the last three days all-day pushes out there. I was carrying five liters of water a day and burning <laughs> through every drop of water I had. Five liters a day. Yeah. My pack, I don't even know how much my pack weighed. 30 pounds? 35 pounds? It was, that was like hunt? mine. 25, 30 pounds yeah. just for a day hunt. And it's dangerous out there. Like, um, you think a hunt in Hawaii, or at least I do, and I think, oh, it's a good time. I'll, I'll get a suntan. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that heat is intense. It is. Like, the temperature is high, but that sun just radiates off that rock. And then with the wind and the sand blasting and all day in that sun, I've never sweat so much in my entire life. It just pours out of you. Like, you almost can't stop it where it's dangerous, where it's just like – I don't even know if five liters is enough for the day. When I wake up in the morning and I don't have to pee, you know there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that, there's an issue. There's an issue. There's Things aren't working right at that point. Yeah. So we had an opportunity on these things, and you guys, like I say, went so hard. It was so impressive. So we started off um, – see, we showed up uh, – so we didn't get to hunt the opener, Robin, Sean, and, and me, and then we had a couple other guys in our crew. We had Remy and David in our crew, um, which was really cool, and then uh, Janus. And Janus, um, it, um, 
fabricator here on the island, and you had yeah. um, you had work. You were trying to work and hunt the whole time. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know if you had enough time to get one killed, huh? Um, when <laughs> <laughs> I made it, you I, killed I made one. It happy. On, you killed one on uh, opening day. You're non-typical, and then killed a typical. Like a couple days later, like after a full day of work, I think we said we had been hunting 15 hours that day, and you had hunted about 15 minutes and had an arrow in a mature ram. Man, you just played it right. Yeah, I, you know, I got lucky, but I, I did, I did feel a little bad. Well, you got lucky, but man, you, you yeah, hunt right. so you felt bad. I did, but I did. I thought, I thought about you guys. I was just like working all day but then i thought more about it and i'm like i, I deserve this <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did you say brian uh, you just need that horseshoe that janus has shoved up his ass <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh he's got good karma because he's such a good guy out there and um and you're a good hunter like you hunt like slower than than most people i see but it's necessary for these mouflon you're a mouflon guy like it seems like if you take 10 steps and don't pull up your binos you've walked too far there's a mouflon that yeah. spotted you but you know you'll go miles and not see a sheep and so it's tough to like keep your focus but it's yeah. really about moving slow catching those things before they catch you getting an opportunity they're so turned on it's oh man it, you you could be two miles away from them, put your binos up, focus your binos in, and they're staring back at you. Yeah, yeah. such good eyesight, and they live and die by their eyesight, don't they? They're, they're like sheep that, that really rely upon their sight, and they can wind your area too, but uh, eyesight's definitely their number one. But, James, you started it off, man. You're a good hunter, and so you hunted opening morning. You're psyched. You look forward to this all year long. Put this thing together. We had the rental house, rigs. We had the whole deal set up. His and boat, uh, Janus's boat. Yeah, yeah Janus's boat to get there, which is so nice. Well, we, we loaded over. all the gear, but that was all full of, like, railings and tools and then <laughs> all the other gear. I was actually supposed to hunt the whole time with you guys. Like, you were. Turned out I pretty much had to work except for Saturday and Sunday and then Monday after work. Yeah, you got and some good. And then I had good. to leave on Tuesday, so it was – it was. I was a little bummed out that I didn't get to stay there longer. Even if I wasn't hunting, like, even if you tag out, you still want to be there for your buddies. No, hunting you know? camp was rad. Yeah, oh, that's, the, so that's the best part about it. You know, you don't even have to hunt; just go hang out and you know, be with your buddies. And well, and I tease you did get some good hunting time in, and you got some work done. You took care of everything. But I yeah, did. you started off hunted opening day, and then we didn't hear from you all morning long till about two o'clock. And I, I rode over with um. I rode over with both of you guys, but I, Sean, I remember him telling me, he goes, uh, yeah, I bet you Janus killed one, you know, and Janus, uh, uh, you, you pulled it off. You arrowed a good one to start off with. We got to see a ram and put our hands on a ram, man, it was really cool to see. Yeah, he was a crazy non-typical. His horns went way back and kind of touched the back of his neck over here, but he was a really big non-typical. Yeah, it, so when they the horns touch their neck, they're considered a non-typical because they'll actually kill themselves right it's a bad genetic yeah bad way to go yeah Man, slow slow death growing into your brain oh so, my some of them grow over their eyes you know and then some of them just don't it's like they reverse grow so they'll just look like they're growing up but they're just they just don't grow so it's almost like and i've seen some where they just grow right back into the back of their head 
There yeah. was a lot. There was a lot of non typical. There's some weird genetics yeah. rolling yeah. around need, in that. Yeah. They need to take in those care bushes. Of well, oh. yeah, and then so Jane has shot that. We heard from you. We all met back out, went out for the evening, and then Sean, you killed a non typical that first night out. Yeah, that first evening, me and you jumped in the bush. I shoot. When was it? About six o'clock. We had about an hour or so to hunt, and uh, it was funny because I just dropped you off, and then I was driving down the road to you know go to a little bit further away from you. And uh, nice ram crossed the road right in front of the truck. And I was like, oh, that's a good sign. And he literally, like, perched up on this rock about 50 yards away and just would not leave. He was just staring at me. I was like, you really want to get shot, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely wanted more of a challenge than that, you know. And plus, I would have got out of the truck and he would have ran away. But so, yeah, I drove off and um, seen some... Uh, seen two nice like half curl rams and they're with one of those non-typical rams those you know bad genetic rams and just kind of played cat and mouse and seen them for about 140 yards away and uh kind of just played the game they fed over a rise and then i crept or i kind of raced down through the canyon climbed up the other side put eyes on them again they're going through this little draw on the other side over the next rise they're about 100 yards away then and then so you know it's kind of cat and mouse crept up on them and then finally the last time i, I peeked over the the non-typical was at about i don't know 25 yards or so just grazing behind this rock and gave me a nice broadside shot yeah just put it on them and went over there and looked for him had the most beautiful sunset in the background with the cliffs and everything and it was just incredible and uh yeah, he piled up 20 yards away, and I was I was ecstatic, stoked. Man, that's the way to start it off. Some good sheet meat, and um, nice you can kind of warm up on a non-typical, too. Yeah. Um, they're small targets, high degree of difficulty. I mean, some of the shots are longer, and then the wind was just screaming the whole time. So you had to factor in about a foot of wind drift every time you were shooting, you know, or more. Um, we were all brainstorming about yeah. that, too, on, on – you know coming together on the wind drift and crosswinds and where should we aim on you know these certain positions you know if we came across these different crosswinds at 25 mile an hour 30 mile an hour gusts and yeah different it was, yardages. it was really good brainstorming about that before we you know even encountered a mm -hmm. shot like that because we all kind of knew where to aim well and we got into some good hunting this year like i think jay you were telling me today that like you, you've been on hunt over there, you know, and, and seen three rams the whole hunt, you yeah. know, that this year um, sure timed it right with the timing and the, the, the rut of the mouflon. Like, and it's hard to pin down when they're going to yeah. rut, but they were rutting like crazy I've this time. I've never seen it like that. That's that insane. Was, you guys was, have been hunting it for a lot of years, yeah. man. We got some insane hunting. And there was a lot of rams. I think the rut actually pulled a lot of rams out of the thicks. And Definitely. that's why we saw so many because – I was not expecting to see that many rams. No. I didn't think there was going to be that many. And that first morning, I was just ecstatic. I saw like I saw like six or seven rams, and that's a lot. So I was stoked. And then throughout the whole trip, man, we saw just tons of them. It was a killer hunt. It's awesome. Yeah. Just, just yeah, seeing those hot Those hot ewes were definitely pulling them out because, yeah, like you said, past years, it, it was nothing like it was this year. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, getting back to the bad genetics, it seems like a lot of the times the Moomoohorn rams will be the dominant ram. Like, even though the other rams have bigger horns, like me and Sean were watching these two, and there was one of the rams was clearly smaller, but it just kicked the other ram's ass, and the other ram was a hammer, and the other, <laughs> it just ran off with his tail between its legs. And then I saw some Moomoos do that 
to like a an, an actually like I'm like that ram needs to breed, but the little the little weak moo moo kicked his ass and wouldn't let it breed. So mm-hmm. yeah, I we mean, saw some crazy rut action. What did you oh see, Janus? That one th- you saw one of the r- nicer rams mounting oh, the hot you, and then the, the one was mounted, and then up above, like you can see the other one. It's seen out of the corner. I just came barreling down the hill and just plowed into it. The, the, knocked it off of its U and it went rolling down the hill. It's like it's crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, these things are serious. Well, well, it's known in in species that the bigger the balls, the more promiscuous they are, right? And those rams Dude. have giant balls, right? And so it's all about breeding. Like I watched four that had this U. They, they were raping her down in the canyons. Oh my God! I had never seen anything like it. She was running for her life to get away from these things, <laughs> and they they were jumping on top of her as she was jumping off cliffs. Like they were they were just absolute. Like I felt bad for. Her. I was trying to shoot the Rams to really help her out, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. Like those things during the rut, they were wild to watch. Yeah, they'd bed down like the U would bed down, and the Rams would come and start kicking it, you know, trying to get it up. Yeah, <laughs> get her up. Thing was just like. You gotta run into the ground. Yeah, but that's what makes the the species survive and thrive too. Is that that willingness or that will to breed? You know, during the rut. But crazy looking animal, and you know the half curls. Some of them went wide and flaring, and three quarter curls, and then full curls. Gosh, we just saw some beautiful rams, and then they're just in those steep, tight canyons. You know, but. Um, so you you really look around. You got to live and die behind your binos, behind your glass, and then you just got to send it. You got to go for it. There's you know the the roads and rams around there. You know they get they get hunted. You know here and there, and they know what pressure is. And so the the hunting it's the same that applies out west. Like you got to find that remote part of country where guys don't access where these rams can grow up to be old to be six, seven, eight years old to be a three quarter curl or bigger. And so like, you got to go for it. Just like you guys did day in, day out. Like we started first day, we, we me and Sean kind of took off and I hiked down to the ocean, looked at the first draw by the second day, I'm crossing multiple draws. I'm down by the ocean. <laughs> it's time to go for it. You know, you got a chance at one of those things, but, um, yeah, you took one glimpse of that country that evening, and the next day we didn't hear from you till like five in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was I shot a ram, ram down. <laughs> I'm way down by the ocean in a gully. <laughs> uh-huh. it's so fun. Yeah, let's, I was let's able hear about to, that stuff. Yeah, I was able to catch a ram. Gosh, it was good hunting that morning. So it started off. Um, me what, and you, what, Rob, what? we teamed up and yeah. we. We had the Suburban, and um, yeah, rigs can be a little bit challenging at times, and so the Suburban we got, it's just a work rig for the guys, so it's beat up pretty good, you know, and kind of rattles going down the road. So we took that that morning, and we're coming down the steepest part of the hill, and the truck just dies. It's just dead, and we're blocking the road, and I'm on the brakes with all my weight to try to keep it from sliding down the hill. There's no parking brake No parking brake, no. Um, So... We assess the situation. We're able to kind of coast it, and hopefully we don't coast down into the ocean. You know, we've got some breaks, but coast it to a safe spot. No power steering. Yeah, we kind of look, and we figured it was the alternator wire was loose in there, that it wasn't charging the battery. So we were going to have to call you guys and get some help out, and you guys did end up fixing it later that day. But we just took off hunting, and then, um, Rob, you took off across the top, got into some cheap instantly or uh immediately hopping into the top of those i went down to the ocean i didn't see any for the first couple drainages but 
I kind of hunted all day, but I did catch this really nice ram, this one I wanted to shoot. And he was down in one of the really steep canyons down in there, and he was with one ewe. And he was kind of bedding, and they'd get up and feed around. He'd kind of rudder around. And it was the, the way the wind was coming and the direction and everything and how tight the canyon was. I wanted to slide down on the canyon face opposing them so I could keep my eye on them the whole time. So every time their head's up, I wouldn't move. And every time they'd bed behind a bush or their head was down feeding, I'd just slide down the hill with my bow on my knees. So exciting. It was like a couple hours in the Hawaii sun of just scooting down and getting close and then finally start to get into position and um, as close as I can get is like in the 50-yard mark. And I'd range him at 53 to 50. I think the shot finally came at 57. But I, I drew on him twice. I had like a, about a 15, 20-mile-an-hour crosswind, you know, and I shoot in Ennis, the windiest place on earth. So I'm I'm comfortable with the crosswind, but I draw back and my pin would just dance and float all over that ram's body and off his body. And it's like, I'm going to miss. And so I just make sure nothing had its eyes on me and I'd be able to let down. So I let down twice. And then the third time, you know, it's just waiting for the right angle. It, it just, there wasn't much room for air there with the crosswind. And then, you know, the ram being so small, I just really wanted to put a good shot on them. So I, I drifted one in there and watched that wind just drift that arrow about a foot to a foot and a half right into the vitals of that ram. It's one of the best shots I've ever made and uh, able to put a good one in that ram and have him die on that canyon. Um, man, it was so thrilling. And then try to figure out how I'm going to get down and over to him and climb above him and drop down the cliffs. But it it was... Um, it, it felt like sheep hunting because I was in those steep canyons, the Pacific out there, and it just feels like a Hawaiian ram. It's just um, what a cool opportunity and experience hunting those things, man. It's just It was off the hook. It's amazing. Just like what you guys had. Sean grinded it out for five days to finally get his opportunity. Um, all you guys grinded so hard. It was just so fun to go for it like that. But, Rob, I remember on the last day you woke up. Man, you were stiff and sore. We had um, red dust in our eyes and then we had been running all of us on three to four hours of sleep for about six days in a row from the time it took to travel back and forth like we were all so burnt by the end i went to bed last night i think i fell asleep at seven o'clock at night <laughs> well, i don't fall asleep with the lights on and people talking around me every single night i was snoring before you guys turn the lights off and stop talking yeah. That sun takes it out of you. Yeah. yeah. It was getting tougher and tougher every morning to get out of bed. That's yep. for sure. <laughs> well, that last day, Sean and I said, oh, we're just going to road hunt and glass things up and then plan our stock. No, I ended up in the field all day. <laughs> no, you can't help yourself. <laughs> and I didn't bring five liters that day because I thought I was going to road hunt. Oh, so just... I know. And, and by road hunting, it's just grabbing good vantage points and covering a lot of country and trying to spot a sheep before you commit to going a million miles yeah. and a million elevation. But then you get out there and you just go, well, I'm not seeing anything from the road. I guess I better dive into a Keep canyon going. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, once you start. Nine miles later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, at least. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that country is huge, and it is—it's really dangerous. Like I say, I, you it think of dangerous. Hawaii as hunting, uh, hunting paradise. You could die in there. There is yeah. no water anywhere, and and like you say, most of the time I pack thirty-two ounces of water for the day. I mean, here the day I killed my ram, I packed eighty-five, and I was out by the time I made it. Yeah. Like that was not enough. I needed a hundred or a hundred and twenty. Like it's wild what your body goes through. 
and it's pretty intense. You got to make sure you don't push too hard. You find some shade because it's dangerous, I yeah. think, to sweat that hard, to work that hard out yeah. here. And there's no reception in a lot of these places. Yep. You know, and down in, say, you know, say you break your leg or something down in one of these canyons. I mean, you have no reception. Um, doesn't hurt to pack one of those emergency, you know, silver blankets or whatever. Yep. Um, would yeah. be emergency really beacon nice. too the yeah. delorms yeah, yeah. i had an yeah. inreach with me and yeah like, and it's you? it's the That's gnarliest smart. terrain like those canyons are steep and gnarly like you could yeah. you could die by fly, falling off one of those or break a leg but you could just um just break a leg like in the field like i think um jay weren't you walking in the flat and do the bruise <laughs> on the back of your leg Dude, you I thought did. you did break your leg i did i saw stars <laughs> usually when you hit your head you've seen stars but i i landed on my leg and i saw stars <laughs> and i had to get up and i had to check myself well, i was trying to cut in front of that ram and then uh, I was just, yeah. That was your big ram you that, ended up that, killing, yeah, right? That, it was so worth you, in the end, thank God. You worked all day, and then you went out, and you just dove in a spot. Or you saw a ram instantly, dove in after him, and then just took a hell of a spill going for him. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Well, I saw the ram coming down up above, so I ran back to my truck, and they were just kind of trotting down the down the hill. So I ran back to my truck, drove down about 400 yards, jumped out, got my gear on, and I just barreled into the ravine trying to get in front of them and we have these little howie koas that will that the deer will eat so they'll get like stunted it'll be like a banyan tree but they got all these little sticks off of them and then the grass grows over them so you can't see them and my boot caught one of those i mean we're always catching them on our boots and it sucks but you usually catch yourself my boot caught one of those and i just did a cartwheel and i just came down right on this pointed rock and it was it was really the only rock in the whole field like when they put those rocks there whoever put those rocks there like this one's for the shade this one's for the mouflon to bet on this one's this is jane is gonna fall on this one it was like perfectly pointed and it just i thought i broke my leg and then i was walking after that i wasn't running and then i got up got up to the top and i i couldn't find them i thought they were gone and um, so I just started going up because I thought maybe they stopped up above and just started grazing. And um, a ewe busted out of the gut to my left. And then I saw the two rams come out and the moo horn came out and kind of looked. The, the, the ewe was gone. I think the, the ewe saw me and the rams just kind of sort of followed out of there. They didn't really know what happened. And then they, so they just kind of looked around and they trotted over the hill and I'm, it was late. It was like 6:30 and I really didn't have time to go back to the truck and go down to Kaena where I was supposed to go. So I just figured for, I'll just hang out here. I'll just go after them see if I can get on them again. And sure enough, I went over the hill and they were grazing. I saw the Moomoo. Only the Moomoo was there. He was about 150 yards away behind a tree. He grazed out and I was, I knew the other Rams would be with him. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna army crawl up slow as I can and just this is it I mean I, I already shot my moomoo I shouldn't couldn't shoot him even though like you really need to take the moomoos out because they're just bad genetics um anyway I just army crawled up there you know bow pack me bow pack me for like a hundred yards I got to the tree and I see the moomoo he's kind of cutting across to my left the wind's into the wind and then and then I see the nice ram, the good ram steps out. I'm like, yes, he's right there. And he's at like 40 yards. So I creep through the Kiavi tree. I get into position and it's like perfect shot. Like you couldn't ask for a better opportunity. He's in the thick grass. I see the moo. 
I'm able to range the Moo Moo 30 yards, and this other Ram's going to come right where the Moo Moo is. I'm like, this is just perfect. I could range him. I don't have to range the other one because he's going to go right where the other one is. like, perfect. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I mean, it always seems like it takes longer. It was probably like a minute, but it seemed like 10. And finally, the, the nice Ram starts walking up. I get my arrow. Get ready to shoot. And I look down, and I Sean had given me an extra arrow, and the arrow is just dangling off my my quiver. And if I grab the arrow, I fly it to the side. I like, get ready again. There he steps out, and I'm I draw back, and I'm thinking all I can think of is Brian telling me how far the arrow drifts, and he's like, I had this drifted like a foot and a half. I'm like, oh fuck. So I just I think it just way overcompensated, and I shoot, and it just goes right in front of it, and I just couldn't believe it. So I'm scrambling to grab another arrow the ram just i don't think the ram even didn't even hear the arrow it was so How windy happened for you and for me they just run off <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you couldn't catch a break janus is catching oh, all man. the breaks but that's awesome so you shot miss him shoot right in front of his chest and he just stood there and kind of looked around he looked up and they looked down and i just kind of freaked out grabbed another arrow i only had two left so i grabbed one of them didn't it have two fletchings yeah, on it? Yeah, I drew back. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to shoot, and I look down, and it's like my two-fletching finishing arrow with my old slick trick on it that I shot, like, through two pigs. And, I mean, at, at that point, I'm just like, all right, I just I, I don't even have – I'm like, I've seen these things shoot. I mean, if you've ever shot in a two-fletching arrow, I mean – They fly the same. They if fly your arrows fly good, yeah. And I'm like, it's 30 yards, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put it on its front shoulder. And I took the shot and I just smoked it. I could, couldn't believe it. That's so awesome. I was so stoked. And the biggest ram we killed the entire trip, like just a really big, heavy Dude. one. Man, that was a beautiful ram. I mean, all of them were really nice, but that one was exceptional. Yeah, I think that was about an inch bigger than the – yeah, I know it was had the curls coming up. I was so stoked. Big ram. Yeah, I was stoked. And <laughs> our, the architect was just super stoked on the job we did, so that just like topped it off. Yeah, That's you crushed good. it at work. Got the, got ram, the ram, killed it at work. Got your moo moo to start with. Like got Ice my... Cube said, today was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, man. That was awesome. Yeah, that was so cool. And unfortunately, I had to take off. I had to work the next day, so I worked all day, and then I took off. And you guys, you boys were, I was still getting the group text. Like, yeah, we had a... rams coming down the valley. I see giants by you, Sean. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we had a good crew. It was really fun. So we're missing two guys on the podcast. So we're missing Remy headed home. And then uh, we had David Wise, which was a treat in camp. That guy is a Such nut a for cool. bow hunting. Uh, nut, period. Yeah. <laughs> Two-time two Olympic gold medalist. Defending gold medalist. Yeah, yeah. right? His Bro mindset and talking to him. Yeah, so go ahead. Oh, he broke his femur three months ago. They reconstructed his leg. He wasn't even supposed to be walking yet. And he's hunting the gnarliest terrain I think I've ever hunted. <laughs> yeah, and ended up killing a ram. Ended up killing a ram. Yeah, he killed a, a, a younger ram, but yeah, he did really good. He's a bow hunting fanatic. He's got, um, he loves to bow hunt, I think almost as much as he loves to ski. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, it's time for both. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> he's a badass skier. Yeah. He's a busy guy, but so we're missing a couple guys from the crew, but yeah, super pumped. They, those guys had good encounters, good experiences. David ended up arrowing that, that younger ram, so he brought home some sheep meat, and then... Um, After uh, de-stringing his bow on a halicoa. Oh, that's right. 
strung his bow. Yeah. No, no press. We put it together with ratchet straps. <laughs> that was so, <laughs> so gnarly and scary. <laughs> 75 pound bow. Oh, my God. oh, that was a little scary. Yeah, it, Just so, with, thank goodness, uh, Janus had some tools in his truck and a couple ratchet straps, but. Yeah, I didn't stick around for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I dropped those off. I'm out of here. Hey, here's two straps. Good luck. Him and Remy were trying to put it together in front of all of us, and yeah. then it was unsuccessful. And then you just see David grab it, bring it into his bedroom by himself, <laughs> and we're like, what is he doing in there? And sure enough, he's cranking the thing down. Yeah, I went in there and gave own. him a hand with the ratchet straps, <laughs> yeah. able to get it. And then he arrowed one the next day? Yeah, arrowed one the next day. I, I couldn't believe. Awesome. So we're packing out and – you know, I know he has a broken femur and he's, you know, kind of struggling, needs walking stick and things like that. I'm like, dude, just throw throw it on your back. It's dark. We're packing out. We both throw our bows on our pack and one of those branches just clips it on the way out and de-strings his whole bow. He looks at me and he's like, my bow just got de-strung. I'm like, what? It was insane. So nuts. Insane. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. But he was, it was really cool to group up with different guys, too, as we all kind of hunted together and split off and then come back, tell stories, and drop each other off, pick each other up. Like, man, it was really cool just to share camp. Yeah, brainstorming with, you know, that caliber of hunters was, was really cool, oh, you know, really awesome. Changer. All of you guys, yeah, everybody brought their skills. Well, and your guys' experience is the only reason that we were successful there. Um, your guys' years of paying your dues in there and figuring out how to rent rigs and where you stay at and where you hunt at, where the Rams like. Like, I was just able to use all your guys' experience, you know, everything you guys tell me and go right to them and go get into them. But, yeah, no, it's, it, it was you guys paying all your dues for so many years of learning all that place to be able to be that successful but man what a trip that was cool rob uh so well i guess um sean you ended up getting one at the the pretty much the second to last day there man you grinded for five days hard huh yeah yeah i was holding out for a decent ram um had a few opportunities on some you know half curls or so at bow range um, was just holding out to get a you know a decent one. I've I've shot a couple with the rifle you know a while back, and I just really really wanted to get a good one with the bow. So uh, so yeah, me and Robin we were teamed up that day, and we ended up uh, coming out around I don't know 11 o'clock or so from where we were hunting early in that morning, and we got to the very top of the road. And the thing about these sheep is you never know where they're gonna be. They could be at the very high high part of the hunting unit or they could be all the way down towards the ocean i mean you just never know or anywhere in between so the day before or two days before me robin and janus ended up looking into this bowl way up high at the top and we saw a little rut fest going on with two nice three-quarter inch curl rams and uh, a few ewes and uh, we sent rob down in there and he made a good play but just couldn't capitalize they're going crazy and oh, that, i took a shot the wind drift i mean i i don't even know where the arrow went that thing drifted three feet yeah it was smoking it down was there smoking yeah he had a good play and then uh yeah sure enough you know two days later we go up and check in that same exact bowl and we're glassing it and i'm kind of on the edge line and i don't know how many times uh, definitely a couple of times during the the whole hunt i just i skyline myself too fast and these sheep picked me off you know as soon as i put my binos up and i'm you know panning around all of a sudden i see a nice ram just staring right at me i'm like yeah. you 
idiot you know you should have went slower <laughs> to the ridge like crept up slow or at least glassed and then crept up glass you know so we're glassing this this basin or this bowl and i don't you know we don't see anything inside there or at least where we saw the rut party uh before so i creep up a little bit closer to the edge and you know it's about a hundred foot um dirt bank that goes down into this like moonscape surface and i just barely pop my head over just to look straight underneath me and in this gut down there this drainage sure enough there's two rams and like four or five ewes and they're a little bit rutting around and they're grazing and i'm just like oh my god you know they're right there literally 120 yards below i'm like wow so i back up and i get all excited and i'm waving rob over and he comes over and checks him out and on top of this flats, I mean, it's nuking like 30 mile an hour winds <laughs> and it's, it's dusty. And I mean, you're literally getting pelted by little rocks. It's almost like hail hitting you, but it's, it's stones, right? And they're getting in your eye. And I mean, I'm still digging them out of my eyes <laughs> yeah. and in my hair. Oh. Like I've got chunks like embedded in my skull. <laughs> so... So Rob was kind of the uh, the spotter for me, and he stayed up there and battled, you know, the freaking rock storm up there, dust storm. And I circled all the way around and came in from the backside where the wind was good. And uh, he helped me find the right, you know, because there's all sorts of these little drainages, and I call them like these little snake drainages that just are just like these red dirt drainages that flow all over the place. And so he kind of guided me into the right one. and. Sure enough, I got up there, and I was looking for him in the drainage, and I couldn't find him. And and he's, like, telling me, you know, they're like, they look like they're, like, 10 feet in front of you. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? So I couldn't see them. And what happened was they were bedded up against my side of the dirt bankment. So I had to kind of circle down a little ways behind this bush to actually see up in the dirt bankment. And I caught a ute that was bedded at the bottom. And then, um, I don't know, about five, ten minutes later, you know, one of the rams popped up. Now, there's two rams. One was like a three-quarter curl, really nice, heavy one. And then the other one was about a little bit more than a half curl, but he was so wide. This half curl is going to be a was giant he if he lives like giant. another year or two. I mean, just, yeah, huge. Like just he almost, heavy and, I mean. <sighs> he looked like an odd Some of them just have the look, don't he, they? He looked like something just sticking his arms out. Like, <laughs> Like, look uh, like an, oh, that's a wild one. <laughs> he looked like an odd dad, like seriously. And, um, and th- so it wasn't the Rams from before then. No, no it was totally di- different, different ones. Yeah. Different ones, yeah. Crazy. Or these ones moved in and kicked the other ones, but I mean, who Maybe. knows? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, then I finally see the Rams, you know, kind of pop up, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And I knew they were top pin, you know, 20 yards. They are right there. And what I was doing was I was glassing them through a bush so that there's no way I was going to skyline my any part of my body because they would have just picked me off right there. So I was glassing them through the bush, and and then um, what ended up happening was the ram ended up going up on a little embankment in front of me to the left, about 25 yards. The big old half curl started going up the drainage, taking the use away, and I'm watching the half curl go from 20 yards to 30 yards. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. They're going to work away from me, you know, just giving me, you know, a butt shot. And then um, the three-quarter ram was up on the embankment, and then he finally turned broadside and, you know, a little bit of uh, grass, but, you know, he's still, his vitals is right there, perfect broadside. And I figure, oh, you know, he's about 25 yards, still top pin, you know, so I draw back and settle in and execute the shot. 
felt like I made a great shot, but the wind's blowing directly in my face at like 30 miles an hour. So at 25 yards with 30 mile an hour wind in my face, probably you know made that arrow just drop just slightly. And uh, I ended up hitting him a little low, but I, you know, it was like to where you would think the heart would be, right? Like a perfectly executed heart shot, just right there in the pocket, right, in, right there in the armpit. So the ram runs down, and then he runs up on that dirt bankment below Robin, and I'm like watching him, and the other, you know, sheep don't know what happened. So I'm looking at him, and you know, I'm glassing up where I hit him, and the the blood's not really like it's not flowing out of him right so i'm like what you know and I'm, but i'm still thinking oh he's gonna topple over at any second because you know it looked like it was a perfect spot where i hit him nope he ended up you know kind of looking around for about five minutes or so and then he started working his way up to the edge and i'm calling robin telling him right he's gonna pop over right in front of you you know, he's like, and Rob's like, I don't have my bow. I'm like, go back to the truck, grab your bow. Runs <laughs> <He goes laughs> back to the truck, grabs his bow, and, and the ram was taking his time to pop up, so gave Rob enough time to go grab his bow. And then, I don't know, you can finish the, st uh, yeah, the story that, from there. Yeah, you, you told me, oh, it's the, the spot we were the first time we glassed this place, which was with Janus the day before. So I looped around to where we were, and that ram pops up where we glassed that morning which is about 60 yards from where I was. And so I'm, it actually worked out better because when he came over Skyline, he was looking hard. And it had he would have spotted me right away. So I was actually in a good spot. And he starts walking towards me. And at 20 yards, I draw, and he sees the truck and just barrels down the mountain running <laughs> away from me. And I'm at full draw. And uh, so I'm... I'm glassing him up and watching him, and he's he ran fast, but then he started slowing down, and he's just meandering through this meadow. So I run after him, and I'm I'm playing cat and mouse with him for probably a solid 45 minutes. Uh, finally, get within 50 yards of him, launch an arrow in the wind. Thought it was a good arrow, but he's kept going. Um, at that point, I ended up started to tracking blood. He was bleeding pretty good. Don't know if it was from me or from Sean at that point. And um, followed the blood. Able to get on him. I bumped him at 30 yards. Never saw him. And then got on him again at 30 yards. Uh, almost put another arrow in him. And I don't know if he winded me or what, but he took off after that, and I lost him. Jesus. And yeah. uh, and then it was the, you know, the tracking job for God. Yeah, three hours maybe we were at least able to he was bleeding pretty good where we found the blood but it was he wasn't bleeding he was brushing against the grass so when he hit dirt patches there was no blood and so we'd have these long stretches of dirt patches and then we'd be belly crawling in the grass and finding blood and looking for his tracks you know on where he left in the dirt the softer dirt spots and job tracking yeah no job. Down. good then, job CSI. And then he, he finally dropped into one of the big ravines and i mean at how hurt he was there's no way he was coming out of that ravine and so uh i told sean i i, I didn't have my pack for that first part and sean had brought water to me i was like I, i'm done i need to go hydrate I went back to the truck and Sean just followed the ravine down and yeah, I was just convinced like, hey, I'm I'm gonna hike. I mean, it was by that time it was about one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, hey, you know, this is my ram. If it takes, I'm I'm just gonna look for him all all day till it gets dark. If I gotta follow this drainage all the way down to the ocean, that's what I gotta do, you know. So. 
So I, I jumped in there and I started side hilling and, you know, enough to where I could see down in that, that ravine good enough in case he was piled up and I never did find him. And then, I don't know, about 300 yards down at the bottom of that, you know, um, I jumped into the ravine, started falling it down. And these ravines are, you know, they're like washed out drainages when it flash floods, right? So a lot of it's like that bare rock down at the bottom. And uh, then I came across some blood. I mean, this is 300 yards after we lost the blood. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, here's some nice spots. Okay, spot, spots. So I start falling it. Then I lose it again. And I don't know, a couple more hundred yards later, I, I'm just walking with my head down. And I look up, and he's standing broadside like 15 yards away from me through the trees and I, I literally thought I seen a ghost or something I was like oh my god he's right I was so excited like it's like he's right there so he's looking not he's looking sideways from me so he's not looking away or towards me he's looking sideways and you know how you know sharp these eyes are right and I can see him lifting his his nose up in the air like he's smelling me but I think he was so hurt that you know he just didn't sense the danger but i still didn't want him to see me so i very slowly get an arrow knocked and uh and then i'm trying to put my release on the d loop and it just wouldn't click on right because i can't look down i can barely move you know so i finally get it clicked on 20 30 seconds later and he's starting to take a few steps through the trees i'm like oh my god he's gonna bolt he's gone you know and sure enough he stopped long enough for me to get he stopped long enough and where he stopped like literally there's the trees blocking his vitals but he was quartering away pretty hard so i put one right in his guts and it just came out through the front shoulder and um then he just bolts down in the drainage and I run to get a high elevation, you know, to get a high elevation to, to try and watch him in case he runs out of the drainage, out of the gulch. So I can at least see, you know, where he's running to. And if I can't see him on the sidewalls, I know he, he just kept staying down in that drainage. So sure enough, I didn't see him pop out, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, I think he went down. I think he went down. And, uh, so I jumped back in there and I started tracking the blood and the blood was really good. And I found him piled up like, I don't know, 60 yards down or something like that. And oh my God, I was like, I was, on, I was pretty emotional because I, I didn't think I was going to find him. Me and Rob were just like, I don't know, it's, it's not looking good. And, and I ended up finding him and I was just so ecstatic. I just let out a big, you know, just, bruh, yeah, you know, just so hyped on that moment and that we found him, we didn't give up. And then, I, you know, I ran up to the top of the wall and I was just, I could see the truck, you know, a few hundred yards up and I was yelling at the top of my lungs for Rob. <laughs> against the wind. Against the wind. <laughs> I mean. And he didn't hear me. So I had to run down through the drainage up the other side because I was like, there's no way like I'm taking care of this brand without Rob being there because he was a, just a humongous help to me, you know, locating that ram. And so I went up there and then he heard me yet hollering and. He ended up driving down, man, and it was just a huge celebration. Oh, it was so it fun. Was like you said you were as happy with that animal as any animal you've ever shot. Yeah, it was like in tears almost. It was like, yeah. It's a so roller coaster. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. Highest of highs, lowest of lows, back yeah. to highest of highs. Yeah. Crazy. That was so killer. Yeah. You grinded it out, got a really nice ram in the end. Your best one with your bow, right? Yep. Best one with the bow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, what man. a ram. Beautiful. Yeah. Rob, you you helped us all kill and harvest our rams, but they seem to be your nemesis. You hunted right. so hard for the entire trip. Like I say the last three days you did all day stints out there. You know, Man. I I had my chances. Um, I I arrowed a good one, 
and uh, sat on embedded, bleeding good, and decided not to go in after him because of their eyesight. I didn't want to blow him out, and I could see the blood on him and thought he was going to die right there. And uh, about 45 minutes later, he stood up and started walking out of my life, and I chased him for a good half an hour, and he finally winded me and just took and there was no blood trail or anything from there. And they're such small animals. They don't bleed much, do they? He was bleeding good. Was I mean, he? Yeah, I was only about 80 yards from him where he was bedded. And, I mean, I could just see the blood coming off of him, the pool, everything. And I, I thought for sure he was going to die right there. God, you're just trying to make the right moves. And whether that's to leave him to die or to sneak in to get another arrow, it's all just an assessment off what you've seen and what you've experienced before. Yeah. And you just try to make the smartest decision you can. But it's just... It's not a it's not a perfect world and doesn't always work out. But yeah, too bad it didn't work out on that ram. Man, you had you had some close calls. You definitely got your money's where you had a lot of close encounters. And like I say, it helped to all of us be successful. But man, what a fun time chasing those things around. I, I learned a pretty good lesson with a single pin sight. It's my first time hunting with a single pin. I've battled with target panic and all that in the last several months. It switched up everything. My whole life releases uh, uh, sights, everything, and uh, single pin I had set on 40 yards because on axis deer, at 20 yards, my 40-yard pin is 8 inches high. So if I put it on the belly of an axis deer, 40-yard pin on the belly at 20 yards, it's a dead axis deer. Uh, what I learned on Mouflon is the target's not as big. <laughs> and at 10 yards, which is the ram that came in that I had to yell at to, before it ran me over, uh, putting it on the belly shoots right over the back. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a brutal lesson to learn oh, with the single sucks. pin. And had I had just my normal seven pin that I've hunted with for seven years, I would have smoked that thing. Yeah, what happened? It just came running down on top of you? It was barreling down on top of me, and I mean, I I didn't have my rangefinder in place. I didn't have anything at that point. It was so early in the morning, and I, you know, knocking an arrow, getting everything, and the thing's coming down, and I had to yell at it because it was going to run me right over. Surprise, it stopped. And it stopped and turned broadside. <laughs> wow. I, I ranged it afterwards. It was 12 yards. Jesus. So you're even closer. Mm -hmm. Than twenty, closer than twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. it was it was twelve yards. <laughs> oh, it sucks. And and I put that forty right on the bottom, and I watched that fletching like skim the top of his back. Mm -hmm. Just brutal. The um the the target panic though. Um, you've been working really hard at it. You've yeah. been taking all the necessary steps to to cure it, to conquer it, to get back because um. So you're one of the best bow hunters I know, and you're one of the best shots I've seen too. You uh, shoot a lot of really tough shots that you make on these axis deer, and then all of a sudden it just crept up on you, right? And these axis deer, they almost force you to make quick shots. Now, now, as he's going through the brush, you got one window. And so, you know, I don't know if it's that, but just through this, like it started to create a couple bad habits for you that then showed themselves. And so yeah. you had to break down your shooting totally, get away from a trigger. You're shooting a, a back tension style now, and you've, 
you know, shooting a, uh, I think you own every release they make. Don't I, you? I, I could write a book on releases. <laughs> Anybody has questions, hit me up. But so, I, so, so what's the process been like start to finish? Like what did you do and how have you cured it? Because you've been shooting really well and you executed good shots on the Island too. I, I had, I've, I've killed five animals since the target good panic for you. stuff. Yep. So I'm confident in my shooting again. Uh, even Lanai, like the shots I took were, were good shots and well executed. Um, just the scenarios didn't play themselves out. I mean, wind drift is a whole different ball game. Mm. The, the target panic, whatever, like when it's blowing 30 miles an hour and you're trying to figure out I'm 40 yards, I'm 60 yards, how much is that thing going to drift? Yeah. And yeah. it's it's tough. The highest degree of difficulty. Oh, All the land's uneven. You can't even get two feet in the, in the right spot. Yeah. It's the highest degree of difficulty out I don't, there. I don't think that's something you can – you need to practice for that. It's not something you can just think about and, like – acquire it's something you need to like you need to go out into the wind and actually shoot yep i shot one day into a dirt bank to see how much how much wind drift i had at 50 yards yep after that and you killed a mouflon because of it yeah at 50 yards yep 57 (laughs) yeah close to (laughs) it so yeah i i took the sights off my bow i blind bailed for a while actually uh the the best part of the blind bailing for me that i was shooting at nighttime um then you can't you know, whether your mind wants to or not, close your eyes, something like that, but you can't see the target. So I, I practiced with releases that way and then worked my way back into putting a sight on my bow. And, I mean, I, I dry-fired a bow, which I'd never done before. It was I've dry-fired a bow, too. It was it was rock bottom, though. Like, oh, like that's just, the worst. I, I was so mentally consumed in the releases yes you're thinking about the release and the process so much i didn't knock an arrow (laughs) that's the worst and and even worse than that after after i took the shot i went up to the target and like where's my arrow (laughs) (laughs) and i walk back and my bow is just in shambles and like what happened like and then you know it all all came together like holy crap! But <laughs> you put everything together to realize you dry fired it. I, I, I thought I knew how to do this archery stuff, but maybe not. That's the problem: is it doesn't hit you as a beginner, and that's what's so tough. Is oh. like that. And I've had bouts with target panic. I think every, anybody out there that's hunted long enough, or a lot of people, some people can just wrap their brain around it. But for me, I started to get it bad too when I was a really good hunter. The same as you, like you've been so consistent and harvest so many animals and can rely upon your shooting. And all of a sudden you get this mental block where it won't let you put your pin on the animal where you want to hit or it you get really flinchy to try to make it go when it's in the middle or flybys or the, there's a bunch of different ways that it rears its ugly head and shows itself. But all of a sudden you're shooting good. Everything's dialed. Your stalking skills are off the chart. But all of a sudden like that shot becomes so difficult to hold your pin where you want to hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, you, you saw it firsthand, and I could shoot target, no problem. I'd hit the target dead on, but when it came to an animal, that was my mental block. That's right. And it, it was it was crazy because I, I would go through the shot sequence, and that animal should be dead, and you'd, you'd look at me and be like, you missed that animal by five feet. Like, what's going on, dude? <laughs> yeah. And it was crazy. Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. I felt bad for you. Yeah, it's you. Um, a total head case when you got when your bow isn't shooting right when you got something yeah. going on like that. Oh, it's, yeah, you lose your confidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can't say I'm a hundred percent confident. Yep. Still. No, I know you're just building back yeah. again. But 
the the thing is is to make those major changes in your form is really tough and you take a hit from it but i always think you get a little bit worse before you get better sure, you're going to be sure. better than you ever were before you're just a, a couple months into the process oh, you totally. know and you've committed to it wholeheartedly like it's going to pay off for you yeah, yeah. it's it's been a struggle cuz here the thing in my life that relieves my stress hunting relieves my stress i can't do that anymore it's causing more stress in my life like I, it was it was a a dark couple months the last few months for sure i bet yeah but good on you for you know doing the research and taking the time out to to cure it because it, it even opened my eyes and I, I sure enough i was dealing with my own target panic that i didn't even know about until rob started explaining it and I was like, wow, you know, that's kind of happening to me, too. It happened to me on Antelope last year with you, Brian. And, you know, I missed some shots that I should have hit. And yeah, so, you know, we've, we've both been working at it, and I've been following in his footsteps and taking the, you know, the time to do, you know, what he's been teaching me Good to do. Good for you guys. And yeah, yep. so it's, I mean, we got to, we have to do it. You know, the animals deserve it, so. Yeah. I think part of our problem here on Maui is nobody's really ever taught us how to shoot correctly. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we all just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and figure it out, and we have enough targets to hunt that we've become good hunters because of the amount of targets. But uh, my form and everything else has definitely taken a toll. And uh, Yep, all self-taught and no information out yeah. here, yeah. Um, but changing around now um, – yeah, well, you guys put in the work and the dedication, like you say, the research to figure it out and go. And, and where Hawaii, like uh, uh, the opportunities are where it's created a couple bad habits. It's also created a bunch of really good habits. Like you guys are the best hunters I know because you guys get to stock nonstop. Like the, the nuances of the stock and the small moves you guys make, you know, as you're moving in on critters, there's just – there's nothing that replaces experience, and you guys get experience in spades, you know, because when you hunt, you may get a, a couple, three, four opportunities on some of the wiliest deer out there or the wiliest sheep out there, so they educate you. They make you really good at stalking, and like you said, the the stalking isn't the problem. Stalking's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. you, you find yourself in range constantly, you yeah. know, it's just executing that shot, but um, you've taken the necessary steps, and I think it's good that you talk about it too because like it brought awareness to sean it makes guys realize that you know maybe they have a slight case or maybe they have a major case going on where they need to tear down their shooting and 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 learn um you know a different way to execute well i think i i mean experienced hunters like yourself talking to you and you've battled with your own i, I think everybody has a different level that they battle with or different i call it a mind fuck but <laughs> it's it's a good description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dry firing a bow was a total mind fuck, but uh, it, it's it's definitely it's something that I battle with, and Sean may battle with something different. Yes, but it's kind of this hidden thing that nobody people talk about, but they don't talk about. And once I realized what I had, a lot of guys have come out and said, "Hey." I battled with this. This is how I resolve my issues. I still battle with it daily. And, you know, very well-known hunters that are well-respected in the community that are coming out and telling me that. And it, it definitely helped. That's why I, you know, am I embarrassed that I dry-fired a boat? Yeah. I, I mean, the day it happened, I was like, I'm done. 
like that, <laughs> that, was, quit. that was rock bottom. <laughs> but to go and like take a step back and like, okay, I'm gonna talk about it, and you know, maybe somebody else can not have that happen to them, or they can realize what their situations are, or something else is. Um, hopefully I can help a little bit and yeah. definitely not, are. not saying that I'm a help cause I'm still not even close to where I want to be, but well, um, you've helped, you've helped me. So, you know, in the, in the sure. process of, yeah. yep. Cause I, I mean the signs were definitely there year, two years ago. Yep. And I probably could have taken the steps at that time to not have a really bad experience which yeah, I to not have. get as severe of case that yeah. you have now we right we didn't even know about it though we had no idea no. that that even existed i mean you know dudley has information out there but you just kind of write it off like oh that'll never happen to me mm-hmm. right. yeah, you're shooting you, fine deer are dying yeah deer are dying yeah so yeah, yeah i'm with you yeah. um it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? It is a different deal when you're sitting with a ram in front of you at whatever yardage. You're you're 20 yards less effective in the field than you are in your backyard and your flip-flop shooting at a target. Like the degree of difficulty out there at shooting at those things. And then to be able to to get a hold of yourself in those moments, it's like a car wreck. But to be able to get control over your mind and then be able to – and I never aim – as good as I do, like on a target, you draw back on an animal and man, I'm pretty sporadic to start with. Like I got to wait and then my aiming kind of calms down. Like, okay, here we go. I think I can hit that thing now, but it's a, it's a wild intense moment. Isn't it being in bow range? Yeah. And you, do, you never get those moments back either. I no. think you, you put it the best. I think it was, it was last year, or the year before we were hunting and you drew back on one of the th- It was a big buck that came walking him. You drew back, man, you were sitting there for a while. I'm just like, shoot. Shoot, shoot. You know, you're, have you ever been with somebody who's a drawback and you're not the one shooting it? You're like, why is it taking so long? But you put it the best. You're like, you just, you're like, you, you know, you have to be willing to let it walk away. If you tell yourself, okay, I don't, I, I can let this thing walk away. It'll help calm yourself down. And I've done that before. And you can't get so excited about it because your excitement is going to, is going to hinder you. You got to take a breath and you be like, okay, I don't. I, I don't have to shoot this. I can let this. I can let it walk away. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care if it walks away. It, it's cool. It, it lives. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. And then you'll be able to make a better shot. Dude, you're so right. So talking to David Wise, like the two-time gold medalist, I ask him, like, how do you perform under pressure? He relates a lot of like his skiing and the the competing to to bow hunting. And so the comparisons are really fun to have these engaging conversations with him about. So So I asked him, you know, and we started talking about the Olympics and performing. And I said, well, what's the secret? You know, you're the best in the world and have repeated, like, what's your secret, your mental toughness? How do you approach it? And and he said exactly what you just said, Janus, is that you have to care enough to want to work hard at it and want to win and want to be the best. But you also got to let go of it in the moment. And he said it's finding that perfect balance of that to perform at your best. And so you're right. Like, even though you want that animal so bad, you have to come in and you have to be okay in your mind to say, well, if he doesn't offer me a good shot, I'm fine with not killing him. And it's so tough to do, but it's like a mix of that. And so, you know, talking with him about his mentality or how he approaches it is to care enough about it, but not get too worked up. And he says everybody deals with pressure. He said he deals with pressure. He he feels it at tournaments. He wants to perform. He wants to repeat. He wants to prove people right that he's 
the best, but he says he can't go into it that way. When he gets there, he's got to just relax, get in this frame yeah. of mind, and just let it happen. You know, you know what, it's really, gonna be what it's gonna be. If you think about it before, it really helps. Yeah, like you keep you keep reminding yourself that, and think about it before you go hunting. You know, I don't need to kill anything. I don't need to go. I don't need to shoot anything. This is gonna, I'm going to have a blast. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to shoot anything. I'm going to share a hunting camp with Remy Warren and yeah. Brian Barney and David Weiss. And I don't need to kill anything because yeah. that, that experience with... alone is unreal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's it's, like, too. it's like when you try so hard to get one. That's, that's when you almost pressure out the most, mm-hmm. you know? It's mm-hmm. like a Chinese finger trap. It, and it almost. <laughs> <laughs> the harder you pull. <laughs> uh, it, it is because we all want success and that's what we're training for and working for and visualizing. We all want to make that perfect shot on that animal when we go on that hunt. But yeah, you almost ha- it's almost more enjoyable to look at it that way. That yeah. I want to enjoy the experience. I don't care if I hunt the whole time and don't shoot something. Like I want those days, close encounters of stalking them. That that's what I want is to go have fun. If it comes together, it's a bonus, and it, it's really easy to say and it's tough to do. But if you can wrap your mind around that about just being in the moment and enjoying being there, like David enjoying being at the Olympics and enjoying the moment, yeah. and then going out and and riding, you know the. The, the best ride of his life or whatever the case is. Like, I, I think it is just relaxing yeah. and I think it just comes and you do want to push hard and hunt hard like we all do. And, and you want to give it your all because when you give it your all, you feel good in the end, whether you were successful or not. But yeah, there's this weird thing where you almost can't want it too much. Yep. Yep. I agree. He's a cool dude. I, I enjoyed talking to him. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. He was nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and a good bow hunter, And I too. enjoy spending hunting camp with Janus Padilla and Sean Kern as well. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> Buddy. Everybody adds to it. Yeah, yeah. Good fun. yeah exactly. It Everybody adds fun. to it. So, this is the best part about it. So, Brian, you tagged out early, and uh, David did a little bit, too. You know, mm-hmm. I think day three or so. We were out there about five days. Um, then you guys hit up some axes deer hunting, huh? Yeah, the axis hunting was good. Yeah, I was able to find some spots and um, – yeah, chase some axis around, and um, those things always have a way of humbling me. <laughs> <laughs> What's harder, mouflon or axis? I think mouflon are, but mouflon don't jump your string like an axis will. Sure. I fired two shots today that were on the money, executed good shots, that they were out of the way of my arrow before it got there. <laughs> it, there was, like, no chance at even hunting, uh, even killing them, you know? See ya. Yeah, just see ya. They were both good shots, too. Like, I, you know, like 55, I think, for mm-hmm. around both of them or whatever but yeah they jumped my string got out of there but third one didn't jump my string (laughs) (laughs) so you're bringing some meat home i am i'm bringing some axis home yeah i'm so uh so pumped at the whole trip but i love your guys's axis meat is so good so uh yeah it um you know you first start off and think okay well 30 inch buck or you know i'm gonna find a really nice buck to shoot or you know i'm not gonna shoot one and then it starts getting down to the end it's like i I haven't shot a deer yet like okay i'm shooting a doe or whatever i run into then you can't find a doe to shoot when you really want to you know so it it uh proved to be a challenge but yeah i teamed up with sean this morning uh we went into the spot we just found some great hunt like i say i missed two bucks and then finally ended up hitting the third one that was that was our last opportunity of the day so made good on that butchered them out and packed them out so yeah i got some good axis meat coming home your guys's axes are so fun to hunt they might be tougher though the way they jump strings yeah they get they flat get out of the way arrows well and there's so many eyes looking i mean that's the hardest part 
I mean, they, they don't have the eyesight that the mouflon do, but, I mean, when you get in a herd of 50 deer and you've got 100 eyeballs looking at you. It's true. And then you see the 100 eyeballs in front of you, and then you see the, you know, the big buck, and you're like, <laughs> oh, there he is, you know. And you, you, you're creeping in to try and get the shot on the big buck, and you see all the deer in front of you, but you forget to look all the way to your left and all the way to your right to see, <laughs> you know, the other 20 that are – you know, or the one <laughs> or the one. Exactly. I, I got caught in that, too. I have to remember that you do get like this laser focus on the animal you're trying to kill and you almost forget around your peripheral and you stop looking to the sides to locate other deer that are going to see you making your final move. And you just you you focus on that one, and all of a sudden you bust one off to your left that's five yards. And those axes are horrible because they're bedded; they'll bed. You got to get five yards away from them before they blow up out of the grass. I was trying to shoot that buck today, and uh, we ended up jumping in the does out of the grass at less than twenty yards in front of us. And I was trying to shoot the buck at fifty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian would be going in front, and I'd be tailing behind him, and. You know, he's just, he, I know he's got the front headlights going, and I'm just looking left and right and just making sure, and like, once or twice I'd grab his pack, like, freeze, you know, don't Right move. there, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, no, you're a good tail gunner. It's a uh, two-person stock works pretty good, too, that because yeah. that back person is keeping an eye on the yeah. left and right for you, and they end up catching deer that you miss, that's for sure. Yeah, you kind of get tunnel. You ever shoot something, and then you watch it run away and you're so sure it went one direction because a lot of times you'll run up and you'll try and glass it and you're just stuck. You look like you're like, and the thing's running off down to your right or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, I, I've had I, it happen so yeah. many times. It's like this, like the mouflon I shot, it ran up and I, I was like, it's going to, I I ran up, jumped on a rock and I'm looking for it. I don't, freak, I don't see it. I don't know what happened to it. It, like, hooked around and went down to the right. You know, if I would have looked, I would have seen it run on the hill and die. But I didn't. Like, if I wounded that thing and it didn't die right there, I would have hiked up the hill and I would have probably never found the thing. It's crazy. But, I mean, when you think about it or when I think about it and I think about doing that, I see my I see myself doing a lot where you run up and you mm -hmm. always look in sort of one general direction. You never turn around and look to the right, downhill. or It happened on Brian's buck he shot last year. Remember? Velvet mm -hmm. one? Yep. We were all just fixated. It ran down this way. I mean, we could see quite a ways away. I don't think we could have even seen where that thing ran, though. But we would have saw the grass parting ways. Yeah. You know, like it was all Hopping super up. tall, thick grass. And then uh, sure enough, that thing just did the bunch, yeah, hook to left. Yeah, yeah, 90 degree angle. Foop. Straight yep. to the left. We would have never expected it. And Jane has circled around, just checked the, the zone. We never looked. And we were looking for, man, almost two hours. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, crazy. Jay stumbled upon him. Yeah, thanks. Oh, it was crazy. David was on the side of a, a ravine. And um, he was, uh, so I, I seen where he was. And he had his eye on a nice ram. He was trying to, you know, crawl down the, the, the gulch to shoot across. And with my naked eye i could see him i could see his silhouette on the side of the hill when i put my binos up to try and find him i could not find him for the life of me it was the weirdest thing ever wow like yeah that count <laughs> yeah it was trippy mm -hmm. that cam was cool i could find yeah. you and him no problem when you were on that mound wearing different camo mm-hmm of course, there's one little short guy and one really tall guy. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was neat. Well, thanks. I am pretty tall, so. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think movement is more important than any sort of camo. Dude, you're so you right, Janus. You can wear solid colors. I yeah. did for years. The animals pick up on movement. If yeah. you just hold still, it's amazing what you can get away with. Sometimes they'll catch your silhouette, even if you're holding still, True. if you're kind of in the yeah. open. But for the most part, if you hold still, they don't see you. All animals see movement. They're wired to see movement. That yeah. in your face. Yep. Yeah. If anything face I've learned, your face. Like face they, and hands. they know a face. Like if you're in the dark. You're walking a forest and you see a human face, or you see someone else <laughs> staring at you. Like it's kind of spooky. <laughs> It'll scare you. I'd run too. Huh? I'd run too. <laughs> Just a face coming out of the yeah. bush. Someone in camo. They're all you can't see anything but their face. Yeah, it's true. I don't yeah. care how hot it is. I will put a face mask on. Yeah, especially when you're moving in. If you're getting close, exactly. man, wear a face mask because within you know 30, 40 yards. It's huge, especially because you're popping your head, put head up, or you're peeking around a tree trying to find it. So your face is the only thing that's visible. It's not like you're, the rest of your body. It's, it's not like you're sticking your leg out to look for the thing. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? It's a camo. You're looking with the only thing that's not in camo. Yeah. A good colored hat, right, good is color key hat. because you're always yeah. popping your head over the ridge or over the, yeah. the, the bush line. You Make know? sure it's down far enough. Try to shade your eyes so your eyes are covered, you know, so there's shade in your yeah. face. I can't even tell you how many times not wearing a face mask, you know, I would get caught and just freeze. The animal's gone. Yeah. And wearing a face mask or, you know, that, that whatever could, <laughs> you know, cover up the animal would just, you know, he'd see me, but he'd just freeze. They'd end up calming down or, yeah. you know, a lot of times they'd run away too, but I had to, like, actually calm down way more, yeah. like, wearing, wearing we're, we're, Oh, we were in New Zealand and one of us was on the other hillside we couldn't find each other with the uh with the binos cross cross a ravine and all you had to do is pull your face mask off and you could pick the other person oh off. that's crazy hmm. yeah gosh i need to start wearing mine more I yeah don't i don't wear it enough um also being in the shadows yeah versus the sunlight oh, is such a huge difference yeah. that is like yeah. the biggest thing you live and die by the yeah. shade you know that's yeah. where you try to stalk them that's where you try to move from boy if you can stay in the shade mule deer too it's so key staying in the shade really yeah they they just see so much less in the shade than they can in the sunlight and there's no shade, honey, Mufon. <laughs> no, there's not much, is there? <laughs> canyons. There's rocks. Yeah, there's not much. You gotta hide behind the rocks or in the canyons or just stay out of sight. Oh, man. They can see you generally. Yeah. Yeah, so if you can fun. see them, they yeah, can see you. They huh? can see you. So challenging. So challenging, yeah. Their eyesight is just so key. Well, at least there was a lot of good opportunities we had. It's not like oh, it you, you have one chance and then you blow it and you're like, oh, that was it. Yep. There was a lot, which was great. Yep. Good timing. Super fun. Killer I get hunt. to go back in two weeks with my son. Oh, that's right. Yeah. His uh, first hunt. He's just turned 10 past the hunter safety. and Dude, that's going to be fun. Ho hopefully they're still rutting like they were. Yeah. And you got the youth season, which is great, like yep. uh, a little bit earlier. So you get a – yeah, that'll be super. Man, <laughs> you guys are going to have fun it's, over there. It, it'll be a blast. Yeah. That's right after archery. Yeah. I'll be working all the next week. Well, I'm going to borrow your truck, so. Yeah, yeah, no, you can borrow my truck. <laughs> I already told chemo. Yeah, no, you're good because it's during the weekend, right? Saturday, Sunday? No, I'm thinking maybe I'll come over on Sunday and help you spot. That'd be fun. I love honey mouflon. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, you do good on mouflon. Yeah, Every time know. we have, like, Dude, some Jay. other hunt planned or something going on around, like, mouflon season, Janus is always like, oh, I wish I was hunting mouflon. You know? I think we were in Alaska <laughs> hunting caribou. I'm like, 
can't stop thinking about hunting mouflon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what's worse, uh, hunting mouflon and the heat and dehydration or crawling around getting stung by Alaska mosquitoes in tundra. Yeah. I asked Brian that a couple of times already, like, like what, you know. You guys are wired so different. You just like to travel around and suffer, huh? (laughs) 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 So much fun, isn't it? Type 2 fun. Yeah, I don't know why we like it so much, but it's the challenge of it. Exactly what Uh, it is. And a good crew, guys. So fun when you share it with good friends, isn't it? That's that's the whole thing. It wouldn't be the same if you're going by yourself. No, it wouldn't be. I mean... I'd be depressed right now, not coming back with one. <laughs> Instead, I got to share a camp you got, with you guys. And you it's got worth three. It. Yeah, my ram was just as much yours as it was mine, man. Because I wouldn't have found it without you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Just sharing your excitement made the trip. So that means you get one of the horns, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just cut that thing in half. Not <laughs> a one-horn ram. But, well, um, thanks a bunch, you guys, uh, for jumping on the podcast. Thanks for having me out to Hawaii. You guys are um, such good guys, and I had such a blast on the hunt. just can't thank you enough for inviting me along. You too, Brian. You're oh, best. We're, we're hunting again together in, what, less than a month and a half. That's right. Yeah, I can't wait. Yep. Elk tags, antelope tags, deer tags. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have a riot. We're going to go hard. You know that. Yep. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Brian. Right, thanks, Brian. All right, guys, that's the podcast. Um, always fun hanging out with these guys, uh, whether it's it's hunting rams, whether it's hunting uh, elk in Montana, or, or or just hanging out on a podcast. Janus had, had took me fishing out on his boat. Um, just super guys that, that would honestly give you the shirt off their back to help you out. And um, uh, I, I just really enjoy hanging out with them and consider them really good friends. So fun to get them on the podcast and uh, laugh a little bit and kind of relive that hunt and um, tell some stories. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors again. So Zamberlin Boots. Uh, again, those boots I'm using this year, the 320 Trail Light Evo GTX, just a super light, uh, low height hiking boot. I'm just in love with them. I used them on Lanai a bunch. And then also their 103 Hike Light RRs. Uh, I also use those in Lanai. They work great. Uh, so that's like a like a hiking shoe that's a low-cut, super lightweight, Vibram sole, waterproof. So if you're in the market for new boots, make sure to check them out. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Evolution Outdoors. So uh, they have their new um, fixed, and, uh, fixed broadheads and mechanical broadheads. It's called their Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, really well-designed broadheads. I'm really excited to get them in my hands, get them shooting, and uh, test them out on some critters. Um, I love the the old design that he came up with. So um, can't wait to see what, what they cooked up and um, start using them this season. Again, you can use 100s, 125s, and 150 grain broadheads. So uh, if you're in the market for some broadheads this season, make sure to check them out. And yeah, just a, like I say, just an absolute great trip out there. I truly feel alive after one of these trips. You just feel, I feel like I'm living life to the fullest. It's so fun to cut the legs loose and, and really go for it and chase these things with a bow in my hand and a tag in my pocket. Um, just so fun. So um, yeah, back here, back to the house, uh, working on a few things, just getting those last things ready. I'm doing a big batch of jerky right now. Um using that that um oh, that high mountain seasoning i'm gonna run a bunch of jerky from that mouflon and i i also ended up harvesting an axis right at the end of the trip there and so 
I'm going to make quite a bit of jerky out of that and then saved a bunch of the really good steak cuts. I mean, Axis just eats so good. It'd be a crime not to take home the steak cuts. But um, so I've got that. I'm going to run that batch of jerky this weekend and uh, also dehydrate um, some other meat. I'm going to play around with like some fruits and veggies and things and and try to um, try to have like a more uh, diverse uh, menu there in the backcountry. And so... Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that a little bit. So working on that this weekend, shooting my bow, getting ready for the antelope opener, which happens to be August fifteenth. Um, so that'll be an absolute riot. But good hunt to all you guys out there that are starting early. I know Nevada's um, August tenth, which is tomorrow, uh, August fifteenth in Utah. So um, these seasons are starting to open across the West. Uh, it's gonna be a really fun fall. So. Um, I'm going to sit down and record a, a solo podcast. I want to do one on um, like during season, like your attitude during season. And like you train all year long and then you get to season and it like it, it, it's the time to go hard. It is your marathon. It's the time to explore country. It's the the time to look at new terrain. And so like there's this this whole switch and the switch in your attitude or this mindset that you need to grab like during hunting season or that I need to grab every single year, you know, to, to not take it easy, to keep exploring, to, to keep going hard. So I, I want to sit down. I've got a bunch of notes I've started and, and I want to do a solo podcast on that. So I'll get that recorded so we can get it released for you guys here right before season. And, and again, just some really good recordings coming up. Uh, so I'm excited to release those to you guys. And so we'll get those out and then, um, yeah, recording every day. It seems like (laughs) not every day, but every week, at least getting one or two good recordings. So just trying to track those down, being prepared for the podcast, um, trying to think what's really pertinent for you guys coming into season, uh, to get you guys the right information. So, uh, I'm just having a blast. I absolutely love putting this podcast out to you guys and, um, love all the positivity surrounding it and can't wait to share in your guys' success from season. So keep working hard towards your goals, uh, hunting seasons right around the corner and uh again thanks to to my hawaiian friends um you know sean kern robin keen janus padilla uh the guys just showed me so much hospitality and and uh, share their knowledge with me and help me be successful and i just i really love hanging out with them so thanks again to those guys for being on the podcast and uh yeah we'll get this thing released to you guys and uh i'll check in with you next week